0: greetings family i hope this day finds you well this is dr chanel of access global ed talk and today we have a special guest on the show candidate ben walsh mr walsh please introduce yourself to the family
1: Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Ben Walsh. Uh, I'm running for Mayor of the City of Syracuse as an independent. I'm not affiliated with any party. Um, And uh, just a little bit about myself. I'm born and raised in Syracuse, spent most of my life here. Uh, I've uh, uh, lived in my home on the west side of the city with my my wife Lindsay and uh, uh, for about 11 years now and we're raising our two girls who are seven and a half and four. um, And uh, um, we've got a lot invested in the city. Uh, I'm, I really feel like the best days of our city are ahead of us. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about the city. I think we've got a lot of great things going for us. I think we also have some significant challenges that we need to overcome. Uh, I believe my strengths, uh, my biggest strength is bringing people together, getting them to set their, uh, their differences aside and work towards a, a common goal. Uh, I have a proven track record of doing that, which I'm happy to talk about. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, gives you a little sense of my background and, um, if I could just touch on the three main pillars of my platform, uh, briefly, um, in no particular order, uh, I'm focused on enhancing the quality of life and safety in our neighborhoods. I'm focused on improving academic achievement and safety in our schools. And finally, uh, I'm focused on reducing poverty by increasing access to economic opportunity for all in Syracuse.
0: Mm-hmm. Um Because my my background deals with all of those things firsthand, um, I want to maybe pose some questions about what's really close to me. And I I typically go with education, Uh but I'd like to talk about poverty because I understand and firsthand knowledge on what most of the people there in these areas are dealing with. So can you talk about how you want to address the poverty in the area?
1: Yeah. So... Uh, it's it's an issue that we face as a community um, that, uh, that we faced for a long time and that unfortunately we we uh, show up on all the wrong lists for <clears throat> um, we have the highest concentration of poverty uh, among uh, African Americans and, and Hispanics um, and uh, in the entire country among cities um, and and uh, um, and we have high concentrations of poverty among every demographic. So it's a, uh, until, we, until we wrap our, uh, our hands around this issue, it's going to continue to hold us back <clears throat> in a variety of ways. Um, you know, I think we need to be honest with ourselves about some of the issues that are contributing to poverty. We live in a very segregated city right. uh, along many different lines, among racial lines, among socioeconomic lines. Um, and and the, that segregation was not by accident. There was a lot of policies in place over the years that, mm-hmm. that got us into this, uh, into this situation. And so we need to be just as intentional about how we get out of it. Um, that includes you know, from a housing policy standpoint, making sure that we're uh, incorporating uh, more uh, mixed income housing, not concentrating any particular kind of housing, whether it's affordable housing or market rate all in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, you look around at communities that work, you have diverse Mixed-income neighborhoods, and, and we need to be intentional about creating those. Mm-hmm. We also have to look at uh, other barriers to employment. Um, you know, at, at different people have barriers at different levels. For those that are having trouble um, finding jobs at all, oftentimes we have to start at the very uh, basic level and making sure that people have the soft skills necessary to hold down a job. That they can um, communicate effectively. <clears throat> that they uh, that they know what's expected of them, and you know, some of those things that are. Uh, some of those things are taught in school, some aren't, but uh, you, know, you have to work at that basic level. You also have people that, are, uh, that hold down uh, jobs uh, every day but don't have any uh, ladder to, uh, to climb up. Um, and and oftentimes it's because there uh, there's a misalignment uh, between the skills that they possess and the skills that employers are looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to work look at that skills gap and better align our workforce development strategies with what jobs are available.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, so again, it's it's about meeting people where they're at, mm-hmm. understanding what their barriers are, uh, and then helping them overcome those barriers.
0: Fabulous. Okay, so, like I said, In our brief conversation prior, education is my passion, but there are some things that are close to me because of real-life experiences. Mm. Um, Community, violence, safety. Uh, When I was 10 years old, my father was murdered. And so my position on crime and punishment, violence in the community it's twofold. At one point, I understood that we needed more community policing. We needed all of these things. But for a long time, I believed in capital punishment mm. because of my life experiences. And as I grew older and really started watching um, how capital and punishment, capital punishment impacts our community, mm-hmm. I had to take a balcony view mm. and say, you know what? something needs to happen, but this isn't necessarily it. What, what do you see as a viable option in our community here in Syracuse? Yeah. Um, uh, well,
1: I'm really sorry for your loss. I can't even imagine, mm-hmm. um, what that, uh, how that's impacted your life. And, and it gives you a perspective that right. frankly, I don't have, and that's valuable. And, and so, you know, I, I find, uh, and tackling uh, any issue, but especially issues um, as serious as uh, as uh, gun violence, um, that because I haven't necessarily had the same experiences as some people that have been more directly impacted, it's really important for me to listen mm-hmm. uh, to to the experiences of others and the opinions of others. Uh, my my feeling is, you know, you mentioned capital punishment, and and I think that what my eyes have, have been opened up to um, is that. Uh, that the you know the the justice system isn't always just right and so um, the the consequences of, of capital punishment are, uh, are are dire that's the, the very intent of them and and understanding that uh, through our justice system people have been uh, wrongly convicted um, that's uh you know uh, that's an um, that gives me pause Right. Um, when, uh, and, and, and is frankly why I'm opposed to capital punishment. Right. <clears throat> um, I think that, you know, from a policing standpoint, mm-hmm. I try to be very sensitive when I, and I have tried to be very sensitive when I put together my platform on policing to understand that um, you know that uh, experiences are, are relative and right. different neighborhoods and different people have different experiences. Right. So uh, in certain neighborhoods that I go into um, there, I hear loud and clear that they want uh, uh, a bigger police presence. They right. want more boots on the ground. Right. And I understand that. And, and I want to give, uh, I, I want to provide that for people. Right. Whereas right. I, uh, in other neighborhoods, particularly communities of color, right. um, feel that they are over-policed. Right. Um, and we have to be sensitive to that too right so it there isn't a one-size-fits-all strategy right. uh, it's about listening to the community understanding what the needs are in each of those in each of those communities what the sensitivities are um, specifically to policing and try to adapt a strategy uh, accordingly mm-hmm. and so that's you know for me again especially in areas where I may not have the same life experiences as others whether it's because of you know the, where I you know where I grew up uh, what I look like mm-hmm. um, you have to you um, I, I am very intentional about making sure that I understand and, and listen uh, to those experiences and, and use those to help inform my my policy, my platform.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you said one size fits all, mm-hmm. and whenever I think one size fits all, I always think of education because mm-hmm. we have an educational system that is based on one size fits all. <laughs> yeah. And so, let's let's jump right in. Uh, My background is education. Education is probably what I can say that I know. Uh There's a lot of things that I pretend to know, Uh but education, no, I I kinda got it figured out a little bit. Uh Um, But I also know what's going on in my community when it comes to access to equitable Uh education. Uh Um, What are your thoughts about what we can do in the Syracuse community, to give our students better opportunities and um, be the change that they need to see.
1: Yeah, so it's another issue where where I should probably be listening to you rather than you listening <laughs> to me. Um, my, you know, I've I, I have tried to educate myself on on mm-hmm. the issue of education um, and talk to people that know a lot more about it than mm-hmm. I do. Um, I have a, um, I guess, um, a, a unique perspective at least when compared to to my opponents in that I have a child in the Syracuse mm-hmm. City School District. Mm-hmm. So that has, as much as anything, has informed my my positions and my feelings about education. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a parent, you've got a lot invested in right. it, and it changes your perspective. Um, you know, the 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 city school district, uh, you know. Has received a lot of criticism, um, some rightfully so, um, but oftentimes within the criticism that you hear, there are underlying um, uh, issues again associated mm-hmm. with poverty right. and race and in right. uh, and, and segregation. And I think you know, we need to be open and honest about uh, about those issues. Um, when you look at the correlations between economic uh, academic achievement and um, and uh, and wealth, mm-hmm. um, there's there's some direct correlations there, right. and and the reality is, given the given the amount of poverty that we have in the city, that the, uh, many of the children who are coming to our schools are coming uh, with significant uh, barriers a- ahead of them um, that that we need to be sensitive to, and that impact uh, not only their own learning experiences, but those those of um, the other classmates mm-hmm. um, uh, that that they're in school with. I will say, from my from my uh, Perspective. And one of the things that I've really struggled with was is this idea of the the neighborhood school model. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think about the ideal community, the ideal neighborhood, you think of a neighborhood that has um, uh, a mix of uses, housing. You know, you have a neighborhood business district, and you have a school mm-hmm. uh, anchoring that neighborhood. And so there's there's this romantic notion of of uh, of the idea of every neighborhood having their own neighborhood school, where everyone can walk, and and, and it's this great thing. Um, and I and I would like to think that someday we might be able to get to that. But going back to one of my earlier points, the, the reality is, given the 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 um, the economic uh, and racial segregation within our city, mm-hmm. uh, what that means is that if we employ a neighborhood school strategy, and we have for a long time that 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 segregation mm-hmm. translates into the schools. Right. So what I've seen the school district to do is is to try to move away from that model and move towards a model that's more, that gives parents and children more options and tries to cater more to their specific uh, needs for mm-hmm. um, for my child, uh, we had the option of the Syracuse Latin School, which mm-hmm. was you know again I really struggled with because um, we have a, a good neighborhood school um, in in Roberts uh, where we live, and and the idea of not sending my child there was was tough for me to um, to um, to you know um, justify, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately I we m- my wife and I felt that 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 school was the best opportunity for us, and when you start to look at it across the school district. With the um, with the CTE programs and the P, uh, the P Tech programs at the high schools, I think it's it's acknowledging that different uh, children, different students have different needs and different interests, and uh, the model appears to be shifting to one that tries to uh, cater to and account for those different needs, mm-hmm. and it. Feels again, just from a parent's perspective, that that's a step in the right direction, at least mm-hmm. for Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, we do. We are seeing graduation graduation rates uh, start to increase. Mm-hmm. We are seeing the racial achievement gap mm-hmm. closing, which is important. Um, so, uh, I, I, it feels to me that we're we're headed in the right direction. But there's uh, again, it's a, I still have a steep learning curve, and, and there's it's clear we still have a lot of work be done
0: right right you know I, um, like I said I do work in different organizations in the community and we we have Saturday Academy where we have students come in everything free we do enrichment activities we have uh, people of color professionals come in do presentations real-life relevant role models cool and then another organization I work with it is in the city where we uh, help students become college-ready, where we uh, help them with all the paperwork, everything that you're gonna need to graduate and go into a university system, college tours, (coughs) uh, you name it, we do it. And oftentimes, we have participation but we don't always have participation from the groups mm. that we want participation mm. from. And, you know, we, we get out and we connect and we advertise. And I, I still look at it and I'm like, you know, it's, there's a shift in mindset that has to take place where people in our community value what the community has to offer and uh, the educational system. And I I don't know how we get there, but I know we need people in the room to talk about that. And I'm not saying you have to, because I'm not really posing a question, I guess. But it's just, I I see it and I I notice people are not as invested. What do we do? What do people like me who are interested in supporting, in standing out, volunteering, what do we do to get people to support and become invested in all that this community really does have to offer, but because of the negative press that we get sometimes mm-hmm. here, they don't realize it. What do we do to get people invested in it?
1: Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, I, I struggle with finding the answers to that as well. My my mother was a teacher. She taught at, uh, at Fowler High School for mm-hmm. 20 years, okay. and, and I always remember her talking, telling me these stories about... Um, she worked for the Liberty Partnership Program, which mm-hmm. provided, um, uh, enhanced services to, to certain children that yeah. had, you know, that had, um, uh, barriers or had, uh, issues that they were dealing with. And oftentimes, you know, she would see this, this, um, great potential in these yeah. students and this desire to be great, to excel. And, and, and when they were at school, uh, they would, they would do just that. But, um, but when they went home, they, they didn't have that same support right. system. You know, she was oftentimes picking them up and dropping right. them off right. and buying them right. school supplies and right. trying to fill right. that gap. And, and, you know, I think. Um, sometimes we we make the mistake of just uh, passing judgment on those families or on those parents that mm-hmm. you know they don't care. But oftentimes um, you know, these parents are dealing mm-hmm. uh, with the, with their own crises, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, addiction mm-hmm. or mental health issues right. or uh, or or just trying to hold down a job. Um, and so I think your point about having these programs and having people that do that um, that can help to fill those gaps is so important. Um, so I think. You know for me it's number one recognizing that everyone has their own unique circumstances and situation and so uh, we need to resist the, the desire going back to what we talked about earlier to, to apply this one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. model um, but it's uh, but ultimately it's um, it's making it's having that understanding when you're engaging in this work uh, and then uh, where you have, uh, as a citizen, as someone that's in this community, where you think you can add value or help make a difference, help fill those gaps that, that you do that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we need to, um, uh, you know, what the, going back to the old saying, it takes a village, right? right. We all, uh, we all need to, uh, to rally around each other and support each other. And for, for the kids that, that don't have that, you know, that aren't lucky enough to have the same support, uh, system that, you know, that I had, mm-hmm. uh, we need to try to provide that for them.
0: Right. You know, it's something, I gave a talk at an event, and um, it wasn't an urban event, it was a suburban event, and Hmm. I'm giving a talk, and I had explained, I said, you know, when you see the young lady walking down the street, and maybe she's pushing a stroller, and you know that she's under 18, you know she is, but there's a baby in the stroller, before you pass judgment on that situation, um, understand that. She really just needs someone to listen. That's what she needs. Yeah. Because I'm that girl. She needs someone to listen and not tell. Don't. You can't tell me anything. But I, I, I'm willing to listen. Right. Because maybe you'll drop a pearl of wisdom and I'll pick it up. Yeah. And I'll say, okay, maybe if I start doing that one thing, mm-hmm. something could change. And then I see something else. You know, or when you are in the grocery store and you see someone paying with the EBT card, don't pass judgment. Right. Because maybe this is all she knows right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm that girl. And so I just need one person to be a model. Right. Yeah. once I see that model, then I'm like, okay, maybe I can do that different thing as well. Exactly. You know, and so we, we really have to work together to figure this thing out. No doubt. Okay, so now I just have a, a few questions, just random, Shoot. not dealing with your platform. Okay. Where did you graduate from high school at?
1: Graduated from West Hill High School.
0: Okay, okay. What college did you attend?
1: Ithaca College.
0: When did you know that you were going to go into politics?
1: Probably... Probably only a couple of years ago. Okay. it was it was always growing up in a family full of public servants, mm-hmm. some would say politicians, I choose mm-hmm. to say public servants. Uh, it was always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, there was I always gravitated towards serving the community, but I always resisted the idea of um, of running for office because mm-hmm. my biggest frustration as I observed it both from a family perspective and a community perspective, was that the politics, especially mm-hmm. the party politics, mm-hmm. Was often uh, what got in the way of doing what was Absolutely. best for the community. Right. That's why I chose never to affiliate with a party uh, from the time that I was eighteen, and uh, and so you know early on the deal that I made with myself was okay. I'm going to get involved. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, i'm going to get involved in the community um, in a volunteer capacity and i'm also going to aspire to find uh, to find a profession or, or jobs that allow me to give back to the community um, but do that without running and it wasn't until i got to city hall in 2010 when I got to see local government work up close and personal, mm-hmm. where I saw what we as a community were capable of when we did mm-hmm. uh, rise above party politics, uh, and also saw where we failed when, when we didn't. Right. Um, and, and as uh, as the end of the the, um, the mayor's uh, second term kind of came into view and I started to look around and think about, okay, well, what comes next and who right. comes next, right. I, I found myself increasingly thinking about myself in that position as mayor and and you know, for a while I said well that would be great but you know I'm, I' I can't do it because I'm never going to enroll in a party I don't want to go down that road and then finally I, I said to myself well maybe I don't need to enroll in a party maybe uh, and and the more I started to think about it the more I said if, if I want to be mayor and I ultimately I decided that I do, um, that I've got to do it in a way that I'm staying true to myself and true to my values. And for mm-hmm. me, that was staying independent, even if that meant that the chances, uh, it, it made it more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, that was the decision that I made. And again, you know, I probably made it a year to a year and a half ago, um, probably about a year and a half ago. Uh, but, but that was the decision that I made. I feel, um, I feel great about the decision, I've never looked back. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I have a good chance of being elected, but if I don't, um, again, there's always going to be the the goal of finding uh, ways in which I can give back to to the community. I just happen to think at this point in my life um, that the best way to do that is as mayor. Right.
0: Okay. So, another question. Sure. Um, Up to now. I, I know that we all have things that we've done that we like to try and at least maybe pat ourselves on the back for. <laughs> maybe yeah. one thing. Yeah. Um, up to now, what would you view as your greatest accomplishment? Mm.
1: Yeah, so it's going back to my... my Well, I'll give two examples. Okay. Let me answer your question and then I'll qualify. <laughs> uh, the, the two... The the two thing uh, projects in this community uh, that I take the most pride in one is a project one is uh, is more policy related the project is the hotel Syracuse okay, okay. Um, I uh, that the policy which became an organization is the is the Greater Syracuse Land Bank right now the qualification okay. I've just like party party politics what what has always turned me off about uh, about elected. Uh, officials and, and politics is people trying to take credit for everything. Right. Now, what I tell people about the Hotel Syracuse is I, I truly believe that if I was not one of the uh, people involved in that project, uh, it, it may not have happened or may not have happened in the way that it did. But what, what made the Hotel Syracuse project so unique and so exciting is that as I looked around the, the room um, when, uh, at the ribbon cutting, mm-hmm. everybody who I saw that was involved, if you remove that person we could say the same thing. The project either wouldn't have happened or wouldn't have happened the same way. Okay. So, uh, in, in the reason that project worked is because we did have everyone at the table, because it did transcend politics, mm-hmm. because, uh, it, because it's, it holds such a special place in, in, in the hearts of the community. Uh, but, but as someone that, you know, met was the first mm-hmm. local official to meet the current owner, Ed Riley. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when I met him, I, I immediately knew that, that, uh, he, that he was the right guy. Um, I immediately convened a, a, a group that included officials from the county and the state, um, and uh, and we sat down and we talked about it. And when we realized that we were onto something, I scheduled another meeting and ended up scheduling. Uh, Weekly Monday morning meetings where this group convened, and we met literally for two and a half years until the project was complete. That was, a, again, it's it's something for me that uh, personally I, I'm very proud of my role, but but again, it's been very it's it's been very um, uh, informative in, in showing me how to do other things in this community. Sure. Um, and with the land bank, um, you know, that was an example where I, back before I was at the city, mm-hmm. I was at the Metropolitan Development Association, okay. we were doing work looking for uh, innovative urban revitalization strategies, we were made uh, aware of this um, concept of a land bank, which was really made popular in, in Flint, Michigan, which we all know uh, has, has plenty of problems mm-hmm. um, themselves. We identified the the the, the opportunity. Uh, I again, before I was even at the city, we started working at the state level to get enabling legislation passed. Uh, by the time it was passed, I was at the city and was in a position to work with the county to implement it to uh, to establish the land bank, which is now largely considered the most successful one in the state. Not without its shortcomings. Um, still, a lot of work to be done there. But another example of of a project that I you know was in from the beginning to the end, and and I'm really proud of my role in.
0: Absolutely. Now. I I ask this question of every guest I have on my show. Um, every now and then, you run into a situation that you know when it's done, you can laugh about. But while you're in it, nothing's funny. Mm. Um, a lot of people call them failures. I call them life experiences or lessons. Up to this point, what's been your greatest lesson?
1: <laughs> Boy, it's hard hard to think back over 38 years for, (laughs) for the one. So I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to cheat and, and, uh, and just look over the past year, Mm -hmm. um, because it's the one that immediately jumped out at me. So I've talked a lot about running as an independent. When I made the decision to run, I I made the deal with myself that I was going to stay true to myself and be an independent. But I also understood that in politics, you have to be pragmatic. And so from a, uh, I understood that in order to run, you have to get on the ballot, and and, that, and to get on the ballot, you have to get endorsed by a party. Right. Um, because, you know, as I surveyed the landscape and had some conversations with different party representatives, ultimately I decided to pursue the Republican endorsement uh, as an independent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, for, in doing so, again I maintained my independence. I went through the process. Picked up a lot of grassroots support. Ultimately, the party leadership uh, was not um, uh, was not supportive, and um, and it's one of those situations where, you know, in some ways, I regret doing it that way because um, it it could be argued that I that I compromised my independence by going down that road. But in other ways, I feel like if I didn't do it that way, I wouldn't. Um, be as resolute uh, about uh, my independence, and I wouldn't have learned what I did about the system and the process. Um, and so, it's one that I, again, I'm not sure, and we'll have—I'll probably have to think about it after the election's over. But you know, part of half the time, I want to say I, I regret going down that road and I wish I just, you know, stayed on the path that I'm on right now, which is just doing it my own way. But but there's a little part of me that says, you know what, you, you learned a lot through that process um, that, uh, that puts me in a better position to, to lead, uh, right now. So that, that's the first thing that jumped out, uh, to me. So that's, that's what I'll go with.
0: Okay. All right. So we're at the time of the show where you give out any information about how to connect, how to reach out, what you need. And so this is your time to share whatever you want to say. Um,
1: great.
0: You can but, say it. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: So again, Ben Walsh. Uh running as an independent, uh, an independent candidate for mayor. Uh, I have the endorsement of the Reform Party. I uh, also uh, earned my way, uh, earned another line on the ballot by getting enough signatures. Uh, I will also be on the Upstate Jobs Party line, the t- bottom two lines on the ballot, numbers uh, line number eight and line number nine. Uh, so that's where you can find me. Uh, also running a write-in primary uh, this Tuesday for the Independence Party line, so we may end up with three lines. Mm-hmm. Um, My website is www.benwalshformayor.com. I encourage people to uh, take a look at my website, at my platform. Um, uh, Also, you can find me on Facebook. Um, One, I think, unique uh, component to my platform is that it's it's intentionally made to be a fluid document that I want people to comment on, that I want to provide uh, input on, and it's going to continue to change as I get that feedback, as I hear from experts in specific areas where I may have missed the mark or or could do more. uh, I'm going to continue to update that document to make sure it's reflective of the voices of the people, which is uh, who uh, I intend to represent as mayor. Um, I think I think that about covers it Um, you know I I will just kind of go back to my original message which is um, at um, you know, as an independent, um, my my goal is on uh, uniting people, on bringing people together. Bring you know, this this country and this community are divided, perhaps more than ever, um, or at least in, in recent times. Uh, I want to bring people together. Um, I, I happily accept the support of Democrats, of Republicans. I think we have we all have more in common than we uh, than we have differences. So. I want to bring this community together. I want to move us all forward. Uh, and that's that's what I look forward to doing as mayor.
0: Absolutely. All right, family. This has been uh, Dr. Chanel with our special guest today, mayoral candidate Ben Walsh for 2017 Syracuse, New York. We'd love to hear from you. We want to know what's on your mind. Uh, You can connect with us at any time. You can reach us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Google+. We are also available on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Until next time, family, be well.